Good morning. This Wednesday, uh, speaking of those days on the calendar that are special, uh, this Wednesday's going to be one of them. Uh, we won't be having our regular classes here on Wednesday evening, although those are very special as well. But uh, this week we won't be doing that. Uh, Susan Sandiford is going to be with us, and she will be doing an evening with Corey Tinboom. Now, do you know who Corey? How many of you know who Corey Tinboom is? Okay, a few of you. Some of you've maybe read The Hiding Place or Tramp for the Lord or some of those books. If you don't know who Corey Tinboom is, you especially need to be here. Uh, this is going to be a, this is going to be a, a wonderful evening, a delightful evening. So I encourage you to come 630 <clears throat> on Wednesday and it'll be in this room. That's where we'll be doing this. We're starting a new series today. Of course, the whole year is about living drenched and we've covered a bunch of different areas, but we're going to be spending a few weeks on, uh, talking about service and, uh, and serving. And the reason why we're going to spend a few weeks on it is I've discovered that virtually nobody gets it the first time. Whether we're talking about reading the Bible or, or, or praying or worship or whatever it is, I don't get it the first time. You know, when we, when we focus on something over several weeks, then, then it begins to sink in, seep in just a little bit. Uh, and today we're not actually, service is not actually in the title of the sermon, but this is foundational. In, uh, in living a life of service, being other-centered. Would you stand with me? We're going to read two passages, one from Isaiah and then a more familiar one from the book of John. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. And from John, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the life that is in your word and the freedom that is in your word. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place, for without the Holy Spirit, nothing could be accomplished here today. I pray that you would anoint and rest upon each heart so that we would see what you want us to see and hear what you want us to hear and be changed how you want us to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There is in the universe a dichotomy uh, of things. And a dichotomy just simply means uh, there, there are two uh, forces that are unalterably opposed to one another. They, they, uh, they're diametrically opposite of one another. Uh, you might call it good and bad or, or light and darkness and um, there are any number of names that you could attach to it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and, and attach the simplest of all here today if, if possible. But, but first of all, let me, touch on, uh, uh, let me touch on a couple of things that, well, one thing that is definitely not 
and then something that it is, but it gets a little fuzzy, and then we'll try and clarify. One thing that this dichotomy definitely is not, and, and I bring this up because it seems to be what we, uh, what we focus on so much in this culture, it's not a, a, a matter of liberal or conservative. Those are, those are silly terms. Uh, they're, they're like silly putty words. They, they kind of move around. If you had been here during the American Revolution and you had been a patri a patriot during that time, uh, one who stood up to the tyranny of King George, you would have been a flaming liberal at that time. Um, the conservatives were the Tories. They were, they were the ones who wanted to, to hold on to, uh, uh, to ties with, with Mother England. Uh, and nowadays, you know, what, what does it mean necessarily? Uh, if you don't know who Corey Timboom is, I don't even know who this guy is. Okay. Well, it's not that he's got anything to do with Corey Timboom, but, uh, he's kind of a conservative icon, right? And, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, he's a good guy. I, I voted for him. I don't normally tell people who I voted for, but if they've been dead over 10 years, <laughs> I, I figure it's safe and, and I can go ahead and mention it. Uh, Really considered a conservative icon, you know, small government kind of guy. However, during his eight years, uh, the number of federal employees increased by 15%. Um, the, uh, the federal deficit increased from under a trillion dollars to three trillion dollars a year. That kind of sounds like something growing, not getting smaller. Uh, he, uh, he, he granted amnesty to over to three million illegals uh, in the country. So was he a liberal or a conservative? Eh, don't really know. The truth of the matter is, like I say, those terms don't really mean anything. Uh, in fact, both of them need each other. Because when you take either one of them to the extreme, they're both so so freaking crazy that, that they got to have something to balance the other one out because they both take go to tyranny. I'm going to tell you what my political persuasion is. I, I rarely talk politics. I'm not going to talk much about it today, but I thought today I'd finally just come out of the closet and let you know. <clears throat> I am a Republican. In fact, I have an independent Republican, and I encourage you to be one as well. Uh, you know, it, it's a little harder than just watching the news and them telling you who to vote for or following your friends on Facebook or whoever your favorite hack is on talk radio. Uh, but you know, uh, I, I've, I've been known to go into a voting booth and vote for several people, none of whom were in the same party and some of whom didn't even have a party name beside them. I just liked their name. <laughs> That's actually pretty easy, quite frankly. Uh, but what I'm saying is the, the great dichotomy in the universe is not liberal and conservative. How about good and evil? Now that one, that, that, that's, you know, that might be, that might be one that we could, we could hang our hat on. And I can buy into that because I believe in God and because I believe in the Bible. And so I know what good is. In Deuteronomy, Moses writes about the Lord and he says, he is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. In other words, whatever he does is the definition of right. Even the, even the Gentiles knew about this. Daniel <clears throat> was writing about Nebuchadnezzar and he quoted him as saying, 
I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven because everything he does is right. And all of his ways are just. And so I, you know, I can buy that. However, sometimes I don't really know, did God do that? Or, or not? Sometimes I, I, I'm not able to, to quite sort that out and figure that out. And besides that, not everybody's at that position where they, where they, believe of God or, or believe the Bible and, and, and the definition between what's good and what's, what's evil can get kind of fuzzy. And, and let's not even, let's not even tear this down to good versus bad because one man's ceiling's another man's floor. Did you watch the last play of the Michigan, Michigan State game? <laughs> was that good or was that bad? <laughs> it all depends on where you're where, where you're coming from when you get right down at the sorry Joel uh, when you, I, I did I felt for you I thought about you when, when that happened when Jesus was here he was often accused of doing evil breaking the law of Moses breaking the Breaking the, the Sabbath laws. He hung out with the wrong kinds of people. And Jesus finally kind of had enough of it. And he said, look, let me, let me tell you what you guys are like. You're like children in the marketplace. You're playing, say, well, we played a, a happy song and you didn't dance. And we played a sad song and you didn't cry. So what's up with you? John came, neither eating nor drinking. And they say, well, he's got a demon. The son of man came, eating and drinking. And they say, well, he's a glutton. A drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus is saying, you people can make anybody look bad. You can twist anything so that it looks wrong. And quite conversely, you can twist anything to try and make it look good. It's called spin. And so I don't know that that definition helps us a whole lot in understanding what the dichotomy is in the universe. But I think this one probably can, because the real dichotomy of the universe is other-centered versus self-centered. That's exactly what it boils down to. Other-centered, godly. Self-centered, ungodly. The devil was cast out of heaven. <clears throat> But not before he said in his heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I'll make this happen. If I want to, if I want to ascend to the heavens, I can do it. All I got to do is put my mind to it. All I got to do is want it enough. All I got to do is put enough effort into it and it's mine. I can be anything I want to be, including God. Sound familiar? I mean, we might not take it to that last extreme, but we preach it. Before he was cast out of heaven, he said, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. In other words, I'll raise my, I, I'm better than all of these others around me. All of these others around me have their place, but it's not my place. My place is a little higher than where their place is. 
This is the, this is this is the devil talking here. He said, "I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon." Mount Zaphon was sort of the Middle Eastern equivalent of Mount Olympus. It's where the gods reside. This is this is where I belong. I I can go and and sit there. I will uh, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Let's see. Do I want to go into this now, or do I want to wait? Now I got to figure this out. It, it, so it, worked, it was easy in the first service, but I don't remember what I did. So, so there you go. That's that short-term memory thing. Uh, I will make myself like the most high. It's yes. You, you want to be like Jesus. Yes. You, you want to be like God. And, and, but what you have to understand is you can't make yourself like that. You, flesh can only give birth to flesh. Yeah. I mean, you can read all the books that tell you how to do it. And yes, it's, you should read those books. It's, it's, it's good. You should read. Uh, you know, you, you pour yourself into the Word of God, uh, you know, worship, do all, do all of those things, but understand that you can't accomplish anything when it comes to this. You really, I think, probably can't accomplish anything when it comes to anything, because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think he was telling the truth there. God, he who began a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He can make it happen. You can't make it happen. I will make myself like the most high. Notice all of the, uh, the things that tie uh, these five statements together. I, 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 I. Is that five? Yeah. Uh, with, a, with, a me, with a my and a, and a myself thrown in there somewhere. I don't know if they still do this or not, but when I was in school, when I was taking English in school, uh, they said that it was bad form to start too many sentences with the word I. Do, do they still teach that? Oh, really? Why does everybody start every sentence with I nowadays? I mean, it, it seems like that happens pretty frequently. It, it is bad form. It is bad form. When the devil tempted Jesus... Over in Matthew chapter 4, notice the temptation underlying everything. He started out by saying, <clears throat> are you hungry? You hungry? Feed yourself. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to eat when you're hungry. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't get hungry. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, work to, to get your food. But the, but the focus, the problem with the focus here was you. You. And, and then he took him up uh, to the temple and he said, cast yourself, if you're the son of God, cast yourself off the temple and the angels will catch you and everybody will know who you are. Do something spectacular to show everyone who you are. I, when I was, I, uh, I'll probably get lost here because I, I, I was winging this in the first service and I don't wing it as well as you think I do. But I was, uh, I, when I was, when I was a kid growing what the way God has wired me, the way that he's kind of, um, put me together is I actually like being in front of people and, and 
talking and singing and doing stuff. You know, I, I actually, I actually like it. Believe it or not. And, uh, never want to be a pastor, but you know, I, I still, I, I, I do like it. And, uh, <clears throat> so there was a time in my life when I was younger, when the reason that I would want to be in plays and stuff like that was so I always wanted the biggest part. I wanted to have the biggest part so that uh, I'd be out there for the most time and uh, get to do the most stuff and everybody go, oh, wow, you were just so good, you know, kind of thing. And uh, even if I wasn't, because they were my mommy, my daddy, my, my aunt and uncle, my grandma. Uh, and there was just something inherently unsatisfying about that. But over the years... God's kind of turned that around a little bit. And I, I enjoy, I enjoy acting. And I know in the last play I had the biggest part, but that's a lot of work. But I, I, uh, but now, you know, I don't, if there's 10 people, if there's, if there's five people, you know, there and, uh, you know, and I've got a little bitty part. What I enjoy is exercising what God has put inside of me and, uh, and feeling his pleasure. Yeah, and, and I enjoy seeing other people, uh, you know, do all the work and, and have to have to do the big parts and and things like that. I really do enjoy that. Really do get get off on that uh, because I'm 65 now, and at 65 I don't have near. I don't feel like I have nearly as much to prove as I thought at 25. At 25, I felt like. I needed to let the world know I was here. And you're missing something if you hadn't seen me. <laughs> Jesus never felt like he had anything to prove. I mean, a free life is somebody who doesn't feel like all the time, I got to prove something to somebody. And so when they would come to Jesus and they would say, you know, show us a miracle. He'd go, ain't no way I'm showing you a miracle. You're an evil and adulterous generation. Somebody needs a miracle. I might do one, but I'm not doing one to, to prove anything to you. Because that's not the side of the dichotomy that I'm on. And then the last one, uh, he said, <laughs> you know, Satan came to him and he said, you see all these kingdoms of the world? If you'll just fall down and worship me, I'll give you all of this stuff. I, my car, I, I had to take it into a dealership uh, a few weeks ago uh, for a mouse invasion that, that had happened. And those things aren't covered by warranties. And that's anyway. So... Uh, so I'm, I'm sitting in the waiting room while they're uh, disposing of what's left of the mouse and putting some things together. Is the Price is Right really on for like three hours running? That's, I mean, really. Uh, and I was told in the early service by somebody who I guess knows that it's only an hour. Uh, and then, uh, And then I guess Let's Make a Deal comes on right behind it. Uh, for another hour or something, and then they start it all over again or something. You know, I'm sorry if you like the prices right and let's make a deal, but it's pathetic. 
It's really sad. A new car, you know, oh man, I could have had it. Oh man, all I got is this big screen TV and I just traded it away for 20 bucks, you know, he's kind of, and I'm wearing this funky costume and things. Just bow down and worship me. I'll give you all this stuff. You, you, you. When the devil came to Eve in the garden, the temptation was to adopt this philosophy. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. You can make yourself like God. Knowing good from evil. Interestingly enough, God had already made her like God. It says over in, in Genesis one twenty seven, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. He'd already made them like him. Most of the things, no, all of the things worthwhile that the devil tempts us with, God has already given us. And so the temptation isn't, do you want this? This looks good. The temptation is, don't trust God to give it to you. You take it. Because you need it and you deserve it. God is motivated by love. He's motivated by love. He's motivated by concern for others. That's what, that's what, that's what he does. You know, and, and he gets, he gets such a bad rap. I mean, we at times go, well, you know, God's got all these rules that he wants us to follow. And that's, that's what, that's what we're supposed to do is just follow these. No, 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 no. Yes, God gave laws, but they're, they're all designed they're all designed for our good. He, he gave laws regarding the land so that we wouldn't despoil it. And somebody coming along behind us would have something. And for, you go, well, why do I care about them? Well, somebody ahead of you didn't despoil it, so you'd have something when you came along. He gave laws regarding social justice so that we wouldn't exploit one another. Why does the Sabbath exist? Yeah. I mean, Jesus said, man wasn't created for this. It wasn't like God, which, you know, I got this Sabbath thing here and I need some people to keep these rules. So I'm going to create some folks and tell them about it and make them do it. No, the Sabbath came along because God knew us and he knew that if he didn't do something like that, we would make whoever was working for us work every day. No, we wouldn't do that. Yes, we would. And sometimes we do, even at this point. Or we'd want stuff so much that we'd make ourselves work every day. And God goes, no, no, this is, this is, this is how it works best. He, he gave, he gave uh, laws regarding relationships so that we would love each other. I mean, the, the rules that, that God gave weren't for him. They were for us to make things good, you know, and, and we, Sometimes we feel like, oh, God took my chocolate away. You know, well, okay. He took your chocolate away. He's got something better for you. Better than chocolate. For sure. Romans 13, 8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. <laughs> 
It happens to the best of us, but just turn it off. Uh, whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. That's what he's saying there. We've taken this verse and, and kind of made it all about finance. And, you know, and, and yes, yeah, stay out of debt. You need to be out of debt financially. That, I, I'm, I'm not at all saying that you don't. But let me tell you something. You're, you're never going to be out of debt. You're never going to be out of debt because you have a continuing, ongoing, forever debt to love one another. You don't get out of debt financially so that you can go, well, I don't need anybody now. You get out of debt financially so that now I can help more people. That's why you do that. And, and this verse isn't strictly, isn't primarily even about money. It, it, is, it is about the fact that we have to love one another in order to fulfill the law that God's given to us. You know, don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't covet one another, don't, don't lie about each other. Honor your father and mother. Those things, those things are love. That's what they are. God made us, and wow, what a, you know, one of the things that really just blows my mind about God is that he gave us free will. He made us and he gave us free will, knowing what we would do with it, most of us. Now, and to some extent, we can kind of feel this a little bit, because, especially if you're, if you're a parent and you, and you have children, you've had children. You know that if you just let enough time go by, they will become teenagers. And while it's not inevitable, and I'm sure yours are the exception, a lot of them are going to think you're stupid when they become teenagers. They really are. They're going to think you don't know anything. You're right down to it. You know, and, and I see some nervous giggles going on from, from teenagers going, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I do think that. Uh, yeah. And we have them anyway. And we feed them. And we allow them to continue to exist until they reach that stage. And God created us. And, and instead of making us little autom little, little cuddly automatons, you know, I said, just wind these humans up and they just love you, you know. He gave us free will, knowing that how many of us were going to be stinkers, knowing how many of us were going to turn on him. He did it anyway. Now, does that sound like somebody who's thinking about themselves or somebody who's thinking about others? And it didn't just start with the New Testament. Joshua, uh, over in, in the Old Testament, when he gave his last address to the children of Israel, he said, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, choose something else. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your, your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, that would have been back pre-Abraham. 
or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And you know what? A bunch of them went, yeah, we will too. And a bunch of them went, no, we won't. And they were still the same ones who got to eat the manna, got to eat the quail, who got to drink the water from the rock. God still sent his, his grace and his rain. The same ones who, if they would just turn and, and look at the serpent raised up in the wilderness, would have been healed. Same ones. <clears throat> Not everybody agrees with me on this, but I, I, I really like the, the movie Bruce Almighty. And, uh, uh, and for those of you who don't know about it, it's, uh, it's a Jim Carrey movie and, and God gives Bruce his, uh, his, a bit, the, he's God for like three days or something, a week. I don't know, something like that. You know, and he's messing everything up, you know, and, and all, but when he gives him his powers, he says, there's, uh, here's the rule. You can't mess with free will. And, uh, and there, and he's got a girlfriend or he had a girlfriend before he's messing that up. Uh, that one of my, one of my favorite scenes in, in, in all of film is, is this particular one here. Wait! Uh, how do you feel now? Have you completely lost your mind? What, are you drunk? Yeah, I'm drunk. Drunk with power. God is omnipotent. But there's something God cannot do. He cannot make you love him. Imagine being omnipotent and turning over that kind of sovereignty to somebody else. And yet he did. He did. And the most incredible, no amount of power that he can put forth is going to make you love him. The only thing he could do is just demonstrate his love. And he did that. He loved us so much. that he gave his one and only son. Gave his son. And not just for, you know, a bunch of nice people. Gave his son for a bunch of enemies. Romans 5.10 says... For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? When Jesus says, love your enemies, what he's saying is, be like God. Be the way God is. Be the way my father is, the way I am. 
If we're going to be like Jesus, we understand. He said, whoever wants to be great among you, it's got to be your servant. Whoever, whoever wants to be first, it's got to be slave of all. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Give his life a ransom for many. Well, of course he came to serve. He was the son of God. He came to reveal God full of grace and truth. And God is other-centered, turned outward. His focus is not inward. His focus is, is, uh, is, on, is on others and caring for them and loving them and, and, and what, they, what they need. When I worked for, uh, before I went into the ministry, I worked for Social Security for five years. And... For the most part, it was quite a drag because I'm not, first of all, I'm not a sit behind the desk all day kind of person. And I'm also certainly not a, uh, let me read this book all day kind of person and, and find out what these rules are. Uh, and so, you know, that, that wasn't, that wasn't all that, I wasn't all that keen on that. Uh, and, and I found that when I was working for a paycheck, it was like, uh, okay. Well, let me get up, let me go in, let me make this paycheck. On the other hand, I also virtually every day would have somebody sitting on the other side of my desk who was in a desperate place in their life and they needed somebody to help them get through a morass of paperwork and red tape and get what they needed. And when I worked to help somebody, then all of a sudden, everything came alive. All, all of a sudden, this is worth it. All of a sudden, this, this had meaning. And you don't have to work for Social Security. Whatever it is you work for, if it's just money that, that you're working for, unless you're working for it to, you know, give to somebody, then there's death in that. Spiritually, emotionally. Relationally, but I'm sure that somehow, some way on your job, it can be turned into, I want to, I'm here to help somebody. I'm here to help somebody get something done that they need done. And it comes alive because you move over from the, the dark side to the, to the light side. You, you move over from the, from the me side to the other, to them side. When you, when you make that move, when we stand before God, the real question is, uh, is whether or not we believe in Christ. It's not a question of, of works. However, when it comes to works and the place they occupy, Jesus gave the parable of, uh, of the sheep and the goats. And the sheep were the, were the good guys and the goats were the bad guys. The sheep were the enter into the kingdom and the goats were, no, you're not getting into the kingdom. And the difference between the sheep and the goats was very simply, the sheep ministered to others and the goats didn't. For I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you, you didn't shut the door and shun me. You, you took me in. I needed clothes. You clothed me. I was, 
I was sick. And you didn't, you didn't say, well, why are you sick? Or, you know, why don't you have insurance? Or why don't you have this? Or why don't you do You looked after me. I was in prison. You came and visited me. And, and the sheep reply, they say, well, when did we see all this? When did we see you hungry and, and thirsty and a stranger and, and, and needing clothes and, and sick and in prison? And, and the Lord said, anytime you did it to one of these, you're doing it to me. And the goats said, well, when did, when did we not do it? I mean, we never saw you sick. We never saw you hungry. We never saw you in need. And Jesus said, it's because you didn't see. It's because you weren't looking. You didn't see others. There is a great dichotomy in the universe. And it's very simply can be broken down indisputably into other-centered, self-centered. And I'm not, you know, I know that you, that you have needs. I have needs. I'm not saying, you know, that I go through the day constantly thinking of others and never thinking about myself. I'm just not that good. And you're not either. But here's the thing. I trust God. And that's really, that's really what it boils down to. A lot of the reason why we're turned inward, a lot of the reason why we're not able to focus on others and focus so much on ourselves is because we're afraid he's not going to keep up his end of the bargain. We're afraid he's not going to protect me. We're afraid he's not going to provide for me. We're afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, power, love, sound mind. Trust him, turn outward, live free. Then we can talk about serving. Would you stand with me? For those who are going to uh, uh, pray for people, minister to people, if you'd come forward. And if you're here and you and you got something that you really haven't. I mean, everybody here's got some kind of need. OK, but if you've got a need that, and the Holy Spirit has laid it on your heart, come and be prayed for. Come and be prayed for, because the alternative is I'll take care of it. And that doesn't work very well. You know, come, come in and ask. Ask him. Because he will. There's grace here. Grace for, for healing. Grace for restoration. Grace for salvation. There may be somebody here who doesn't actually have a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you've never really heard it talked about this way. Well, I'm just telling you Bible stuff he won't reject you he'll receive you if you don't need to come worship with us for a little while so that the Holy Spirit we can create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can move in others lives can speak to them and and minister to them um, we've
if you need to come, you come.